Well, I'll give you guys another good morning, Restoration Road, because just like Joffrey, I wanted to say the same thing. Just so glad to have you guys here today. Um, for those of you who have been a part of our core group, we're so glad to have you. For the new people who are, maybe this is your first time here, if you don't have a church home, we would love to have you guys become part of our family here at Restoration Road. We're just starting. We're building from the ground up, and we're learning. Jesus has shown us much grace. We really love, if you feel comfortable here and feel like this is the place you can call home and come here to worship Jesus and to love God and love others, we really love to have you stay and just be part of this church. Um, and just so, so happy for everyone who came out today. I'd love to just open up with a word of prayer before we jump into the message. Father, I just thank you so much um, for your grace. Um, you're just such a good and loving God to us. Um, we don't forget that. Um, we come here as sinners saved by your grace. Um, just to hear from your word. There's nothing more refreshing to our life than to hear about the person and work of your son, Jesus. It brings us life. It brings us hope. It brings us truth. Um, and we just hunger for that today, that you teach us through your word, that you open the ears of our heart and the eyes of our heart to hear you, to be strengthened. I pray that people are encouraged today, that they're strengthened by your grace, that they're challenged, that we're convicted, not to be convicted, but to turn in repentance to find grace and truth and love and compassion and mercy in you. And um, please just let your Holy Spirit be here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're just going to start, and we're going to preach through the Gospel of John. That's how we're going to do it at Restoration Road. We're going to preach through books of the Bible. So we're going to preach through the Gospel of John, verse by verse. And today we're going to start with John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. And we're going to talk about a truth that is at the center of our belief as Christians. It's at the heart of our faith. All Orthodox Christians believe this, whether you're Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, Anglican, we all believe this. It's an Orthodox truth that is taught in Scripture. It's encouraging to those who embrace it, to people who believe and love Jesus. We're encouraged by this reality, by this truth, by this doctrine. But some people, it stirs up crazy passion. I've never had more heated discussions or passionate debates than what I'm talking about this subject right here. Jesus was actually crucified because he claimed this. And that is that Jesus was God. That Jesus came as fully God and fully man as the second person of the Trinity and became flesh, incarnated and became flesh so that he could defeat flesh. We call this the defiant incarnation. And Dave will get that up at some point. But this is what we're going to call that series. Because so many people, our rationale, our logic opposes this. See, there's no way that God, you're talking about God, the pre-existent one, the creator, that he's going to come to earth as flesh, that he's going to sweat, that he's going to bleed, that he's going to be tempted, that he's going to cry in order to save us, that he'll make himself that low. And that when he came, he came as a carpenter, working, sweating, All those things. People say God wouldn't make himself that low. But let me tell you this today. God did that for you. He did that because he loves you, because he cares for you, and he loves the glory of his name. He now has a name that is above all names. So I want us to hear this truth today, and I want us to be encouraged by it. That God... And Joffrey gave a great kid sermon. Sometimes I think the kid sermons are better than the actual sermons. That God, who is in perfect relationship with his father, comes to earth 
to take on flesh, intervenes into human history to do what none of us could do, to live the perfect life, to die a brutal death, to rise from the grave so that all who believe in him could be saved and could be reconciled to the Father. This truth will change your life. For those who already believe, rehearse this every day because it tells you who God is. God is not wrathful. God is not mean. God is not angry. He is gracious and compassionate and rich in love and shows love to his children. Please hear that today in the acts and and the work of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And We'll read verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. So you read that beginning, and it says in the beginning, and you think that it's starting just like the beginning in the Old Testament, just like the Old Testament started. You think maybe it's a retelling of the creation story, but it's not. It's something, a telling of something that's of far greater importance, the incarnation of the Son of God, of Jesus, of the Word become flesh, who came to die for his children so that all who believe in him might be saved. Why do they say the word here? Because the word can be explained as divine expression or self-expression or divine speech. So everything Jesus did and was was showing you who God is. Jesus is a revelation of who God is and what he has to say. So every word we hear, every scripture, that's all who God is. If you see Jesus, you see God. So John starts in a different way than Matthew, Mark, or Luke start. They start with birth narratives or genealogies or telling about the younger life of Jesus. John goes all the way back to the beginning. He's doing this to lay the foundation so you understand who Jesus is. He said the word was God and the word was with God. Let's start with the was with God. Everyone knows, once again, orthodox Christian belief Father, Son, and Spirit, three and one. I teach my kids three and one, and they make that, the Father, Son, and Spirit, the belief that God exists eternally in three persons, but there is only one God. Kira's still learning that, and she does the wrong fingers, and the one she puts up, I'm trying to lead her in a different direction. But she gets the point. I'm trying to teach that God lives in perfect community even before he had us. That the Father, Son, and Spirit lived perfectly in relationship and were with each other in relation, and that's in relationship, and that's actually why they created things. The overflow of their love as a community already resulted in creation. It wasn't many people teach wrongly, it doesn't teach us in the scriptures that God created us because He was lonely. God wasn't lonely. He lived in perfect community with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And because of that love, because of that family, that overflow to now we are part of creation. We are families. We, he's the source of love. We get to experience that. So it's saying the Word was with God. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, was in perfect relationship with the Father. Then it goes on to say the Word, Jesus, was God. He wants to make sure John, who was the closest human relationship to Jesus, wants to make sure he lays the foundation so we know that Jesus was and is divine. That he was fully God and he was pre-existent. He was not created. He just didn't happen from a human birth. He always was. He was pre-existent. He was part of creation. 
And let's go on to verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him there was not anything made that was made. The scripture is very careful to make sure that it says all things were made through Jesus because the Father, God the Father, is always the source of creation. But the whole Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, had a part in creation in a very unique and mysterious and magnificent and powerful way. All things were created through Christ. This is an awesome thing. Oftentimes in our culture, we're very sinful. I'm talking about all of us. Not the people outside there are sinful. We're very sinful. And we tend to worship creation rather than allowing creation to point us to the creator. So I'm walking through Jordans with my daughter. We like to have daddy dates down there. We call them the waterfalls at Jordans. If you haven't been down there, it's great. It's free. There's waterfalls. The ice cream's not free, but there's trapeze. You can walk around. And me and my daughter, Kira, have a great time there. And me and Talia have been there many times. But we're walking through Jordan's furniture, and they have this artwork. And they had words in the artwork, and it says, Family is the greatest creation of nature. Nature's greatest creation is family. And I said, isn't that typical of us? Isn't that typical of sinful created beings that we attribute the design of family to nature rather than attribute it to the almighty creator? Life does not exist outside of Jesus. Everything depends on him. He is sovereign creator. There is not a breath. There is not a baby born. The the tree doesn't grow if There was no Jesus. All things were made through him. All things depend on him. He is in sovereign control of all things. In him is life. I want you to see Jesus as divine. Jesus as part of the Trinity. Jesus as part of the creation and part of being the creator. And let's move to verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. So I'm an electrician. So I get every time we come to light, I get to use a reference of being an electrician. I'm a fool. And so people usually call me because their lights are out. Joey, our lights are out. The power went out. Come to my house. I usually go in and there's a family, grandmother, father, mother, kids just holding the candle scale <laughs> with the lights out. And I go in there. And they're so, when I turn on the lights, everyone's, they got the checkbook out already. They're like, you're the best. You're our hero. Kids are waving. Heroic, I drive off into the night. (laughs) There's something different going on here. It says that the darkness did not want to be exposed by the light. They hated the true light, Jesus. Therefore, they extinguished him. But of course, we know that they couldn't keep him in the grave, and he rose again, the true light, the ultimate light, the light of the world. There's something very different going on here. There's a big theme in this gospel of light overcoming darkness and darkness battling light. And you will see that the darkness, as we go through each chapter, each verse, that the darkness hates the light because it exposes their evil deeds. Now, there's a different kind of customer I have who calls me up and I got to go into their attic or into their basement. And guess what? They don't want me to go there and turn the lights on. Know why? Because it's filthy most of the time. You'll go down there, the basement's filthy, be honest, I've been down there, there's been cat urine, clothes all over, things are a mess. You got furniture for 1950, 
15 that's broken. Like, it's just a mess. And they, they, they look embarrassed and say, don't go down there. Forgive me. I should have been cleaning it up. Don't go down there. And they don't want to go down there because they don't want the light to expose and someone else to see all the filth they have. So there's two ways we can respond. We're all filthy. We're all sinners. Our thoughts and actions many times go astray from God and are defiant of God. We either allow the light that Jesus is to expose our sin so we can repent and come to a loving God and be transformed. Or we hate the light and we're among the people who want to crucify him. And this is what's going to be happening through this whole gospel. And then verse 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. That's next week's sermon. So we're going to jump over those verses. What I want you to hear is that John came to point to the ultimate light, Jesus. We'll jump right to verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, to his own people. And his own people did not receive him. So, you would think that if God, who existed, who was creator, who became flesh for us, if he came to the world, we think we're so good. You think everyone would just start a parade for him and welcome him and put him on the highest seat? We killed him. That's what we, we think too highly of ourselves. We killed him. I saw something on Facebook that I saw about a year and a half ago, and it just popped up last night, so I figured I'd use it in the sermon. There was a guy holding the sign that says, I hope Jesus comes back again because I'd murder him again. Now, that's an extreme case I know, and not everyone is that ferocious. But that is the same heart that crucified our Savior. That put him to the cross and saying, you're not exposing us. You're not putting yourself over us. You're not telling us how to live. You're not telling us what to do. We're pinning you with the cross. We're mocking you. We're shaming you. We're persecuting you. We're murdering you. They did not receive him. God came to us and we crucified him. And I want you guys to hear we. I don't, you know, a lot of times people say, those are the bad people. That guy, that's a bad guy next to me. I'm the good guy. No, us. Us. We're all sinners. We'd have been yelling the same thing out when he wanted to expose our sin if it was not for the grace of God. Now, just so you guys don't think that everyone's in darkness and God doesn't show grace to anyone and anyone doesn't respond rightly to Jesus, these next verses help us understand, yes, there were many who rejected him. There were many who hated him, many who opposed him. But there are some who believed in him, who loved him, who worshipped him, who followed him, who preached him, who loved others. There are many by God's grace who became children of the light. And let's read verse 12 through 14. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So there's three words I want you guys to take out of this. Believe. Faith is an important ingredient when it comes to relationship with God. You've got to believe in God to be imputed his righteousness. Also that he gave. Grace is all over this thing. No one receives salvation. No one is awakened to the truth of who Jesus truly is as God and as the God-man unless it is the grace of God. And the third thing is children. That God calls us into his family. The Trinity is in deep relationship and he calls us as children 
of delight to be in deep and loving in a fatherly relationship with him. Now, he says three things that don't cause you to be saved or be reconciled to God. He gives you three negatives. He talks, no one's born into it. It was thought back in that day that if you're born into a certain family, that meant you have right standing with God. It has nothing to do with the family you were born into. It also talks about the will of the flesh. That if certain people had enough strength to be good enough to be pleasing in the eyes of God. Let me tell you this. No one's going to be boasting in heaven. No one's going to be saying, I knew if I didn't watch that movie, I'd make it in. (laughs) There's no one. And it wasn't because, primarily because of your decision. It was definitely because of your response to God's grace and making that decision to put your faith in him. But there's not going to be people up there that said, I knew I was a great decision maker. I knew when I called Jesus God, I was right. You know, I was telling my friends. No, it's going to be all grace. What does it say there? It's the work of God. It was the will of God. It's God's work that anyone sees Jesus as he is and anyone is reconciled, made righteous, and called the child of the light. Getting serious in here. Okay, verse 14. I'm going to read verse 14 through 16. And thank you guys for working through this text with me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we all receive grace upon grace. This is where we see, before we could think that the word was some cosmic principle that was source above us. Right here, it says that the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. It says that Jesus is that word that John did such a great job of saying he is divine. He was preexistent. Now it says this word became flesh and it dwelt among us. So he made a point to say he was fully God, but also that he was fully man. This meant he was tempted. This meant he was bled. This meant he felt sorrow. This meant he mourned. This meant he cried. He meant there was physical pain. This is called the doctrine of the hypostatic union, that he was fully God and fully man. I figured I'll pull that big word out on you guys so you guys can go home and say, what did you talk about today? Hypostatic union. Go rest on that. But that he became fully flesh. And that grace came through Jesus. Hear this word grace from me today. Please hear this word grace. And it brings us into verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We all know the Ten Commandments, right? We all also know that we've broken mostly all of them, if not physically, in our heart. You know what that means? That means every one of us deserve the wrath and the punishment of God and deserve to be separated from God. But who intervenes when there's no hope? Listen, if you guys put your hope in me to live a perfect life and a sinless life, you'll be separated from God for eternity. There's trouble in paradise. Because there's only one who could live a sinless life. There's only one who could live in perfect fellowship with God the Father. There was only one who could take the wrath that was ours to bear 
and take it on himself as a cross in flesh to defeat the works of the flesh. Do you guys understand that someone had to live that life in the flesh perfectly for anyone to inherit life in God? And that person was Jesus, and that's why grace and truth comes through Jesus? That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that is by grace you are saved. Through faith, it's not of yourself, lest no one should boast. It's the work of God. In verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So once again, you see Jesus, you see God. So there's two ways we can respond. Life is a bunch of how we respond to things. There's those who have believed in Jesus as fully God, fully man, the crucified one for your sin. You believe that your whole life. So this news right here encourages you. You say, it's finished. That's good news because I know I'm a sinner. I know I need the finished person and work of Jesus Christ to cover me. I'm encouraged that God himself came for me in a very compassionate, loving, and sacrificial and humble way. Be encouraged by that. Restoration role, be encouraged. Then there's those who choose to live in darkness. You say, I oppose that truth. I reject that. God wouldn't become that low. That's a myth. That's like Greek mythology. That's like Perseus in Clash of the Titans. No, I'm speaking to you reality, the words of God right here, spoken in the Bible. Because if Jesus wasn't God, we're all fools. We should be all golfing right now. Because if Jesus wasn't God, it doesn't make me feel any better to come into a service and pretend that he was. Man tells you that. Do what makes you feel good. No, I want to follow truth. If God says it, I want to give my life for it. Jesus is God, and that's his background theme music right there. Jesus is God. You can bank your life on it. This is what Jesus confessed This is why they put him and murdered him to a uh, cross. And this is what we believe at the heart of our faith. So I want to encourage everyone who believes that, that you're living in the truth by God's grace. But to those who oppose it, I plead with you as a pastor. I plead with you. I know I can't make you believe a certain way. That's not what we're about. That's not Christianity. That's not Jesus. But I plead with you to examine this truth. I plead with you to check your heart. And to even ask God, reveal me to me this truth, because I can't see it. Awaken my heart to this truth. Our God is love, and he came as flesh to defeat the flesh, so that all who believe in him might be saved. Let's worship that God today together as we sing these next songs. And I just really want to thank you guys so much for coming out and you know, listening to the word of God and being part of this. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. Um, I thank you that you make it clear that it's not by works, but it's by your grace. So we can be encouraged today by who your son is, what he did for us, that the price that we should have paid is paid because of Jesus being whipped, being beaten, being killed, being murdered, being mocked. We believe that, Lord. I pray that you just work in our hearts to live according to that truth. And I pray you open many, many hearts in Wakefield, in the surrounding area, to this truth about who Jesus is and about who Jesus has shown us God is.
perfectly loving and willing to die for his people. Amen.